Hey guys, this is Everything Missing or Murdered podcast. My name is Andrea. I hope everyone's having a great day, great week already. I mean, I know it's only Monday, but um, so today I'm going to be doing two cases in one. They don't they don't actually um, intertwine or anything like that, but they are both crazy to me because they're missing persons and they literally disappear with no real evidence as to what happened to them, where they went, anything. It's like they disappeared out of thin air. And I don't ever believe that. I don't want to believe that someone can disappear out of thin air. Um, but it's important to talk about. And, uh, and yeah. Um, so I just wanted to give my thoughts on, so there was a recent, um, school shooting and I've been taking that very hard because I have a little child, not saying that that's going to happen to him, but it has happening everywhere. I mean, my dad and I were just talking about how it never happens in private schools. And, um, my dad's like, Oh, I hope, I hope, um, that, someday you guys can afford to put him into a private school. And then all of a sudden this private school happens, this Christian private school, it happens. And that's just tragic. Um, I, I don't want guns to be taken away because people do have a right to protect themselves. To me, it's not really the guns. It's the, um, I, I feel like schools need to be more protected. Um, because apparently this person that did this, um, was going to attack another school and didn't because they were too uh, protected, too much protection there. And I'm just like, why didn't this school that they went to have too much protection? I don't understand. Um, and I, I think they should use the military more or they should, um, I would definitely donate for teachers to be armed, in my opinion, just because I want my child very much protected. It's, it's, it's not fair. I mean, we have, you know, our president is more protected than children. Celebrities are more protected than children. We, we need to come up with some kind of money to be able to protect the children. You know, that's just my opinion. Um, because you can get, a, you can get rid of guns. You can totally try to do that, but people are always going to find ways to get it or make their own guns. I know I've heard of people doing that. So it's, that's all I really wanted to say about it. It's just taking a toll on me. Um, because I, you know, I have a little boy and I don't understand why people want to hurt children or anybody. So that's just my opinion. Um, anyway, so let's get started. Um, on April 15th, 2005 in Pennsylvania, a center County district attorney named Ray Greiker wanted to take the day off from work and drive around in his red mini Cooper. Ray was a district attorney for 20 years and at this point, well, at this point, and told everyone in January that he would retire at the end of the year. Makes sense. I get it. He started to delegate his work to his assistant district attorney. Ray has a girlfriend and they lived together for the past three years. She worked as a clerk in the DA's office and they spent a lot of time together. Ray told her he was going to take the day off and she thought it was a good idea. He needed a break. Ray would take naps after work and he would say he was just really tired all the time. Now, I'm not an attorney or work for law, but I can't imagine how hard of a job that is. Ray told his girlfriend he would see her later that night. Around 1130, he called his girlfriend while she was at work and told her that he was going to, well, he was going east on route 192, it's a country road that was going towards Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. He likes to go 
antiquing and there was a lot of antique stores on that route. I guess he would go often. Ray said he would not make it home to take her um, to, well, take care of their dog. So she would go right after work to take care of their dog. Ray's girlfriend made it home around about five that evening and took care of that dog. Then she went to the YMCA to work out and was home by seven that night. He should have been home by then, but he was not. At eight, when he still wasn't home, she called his phone, but it only went to voicemail. 100% red flag, big red flag. Uh, at 1130, she reported Ray Greikar missing to the police. Now the police normally don't take missing persons of adults right away. Well, they do, but they don't go searching right away. But because he was, um, he has been missing. Well, I mean, he was only missing for 12 hours at this point. There's no contact with anyone within 12 hours. But since he was a district attorney of that county, the Belafonte police took the case right away. A be on the lookout for a red Mini Cooper that Ray drove was sent to Center County and all surrounding counties for patrols to look out for the car, especially on Route 192. Maybe his car broke down and he couldn't call anyone. That would make sense. And his phone died. That could also make sense. But at this point, there was nothing. They didn't find anything. Ray grew up in Ohio and was a huge Cleveland Indians fan. Uh, he once took a drive to Cleveland randomly to see a game. The police looked into that, and there was a game that night. Belafonte called the officials in Ohio to keep a lookout for the Red Mini Cooper. Ray Greiker's girlfriend called his daughter, who lived in Washington. His daughter said that he would never take off without telling anyone. She goes to Pennsylvania to help look for him. The alert for Ray Greiker eventually went nationwide. State police helicopters were used to fly over Route 182, and search teams were sent on foot to go around the area as well. There was no sign of Ray or where he could be or what happened to him. At 6.30 on the 16th, so the next day, a Pennsylvania state trooper found Ray Greger's car. It was parked in a dirt lot outside of Lewisburg, a small town in Union County, 45 miles from Belfont. The car was parked by an antique market. The car was locked, but there was no Ray. Well, at least his car is where he said he might go, but yeah. There was no sign of a struggle. The ground wasn't disturbed or anything. Ray's cell phone wasn't there either. Um, and there was, no, excuse me. No, his cell phone was found and some water was left in the car. His keys, wallet, and laptop were gone. And his phone was turned off. So it didn't die. It just was turned off, which is weird to me. There was five fingerprints that they found. And only three were raised. So somebody else had to have touched the car. Ray is not a smoker at all. And the police found cigarette ash in the car. And he wouldn't let anyone smoke in his car either. Clearly Ray was not the only one in the car that day. The police also found two cigarette butts on the ground outside of the car. They did get some DNA from it. But it didn't match anyone in the system or Ray. The police canvassed the area of the antique market asking if anyone recognized him from the day before. One person did say they saw him with a woman, but didn't know who she was. We also don't know if they were, they were shopping together or just walking next to each other randomly. Basically, it is not known if they even knew each other. Some people, though, said that they saw Ray on the 16th 
around noon walking in the area. There was no way to prove this, though. No cameras anywhere. The police used a track dog to see if they could find his scent anywhere, and the dog picked it up for a bit, but not long. So the theory is he must have gotten to another vehicle at some point. Here's something odd. So where his car was found, it was by a river called the Susquehanna. It had a railroad bridge across the river. Ray's brother in March of 1996 went missing in a similar way. His name was Roy Greiker. He was 53 years old at the time, and he told his wife he was going to just go to the store and buy some mulch for their garden. He never came home. And his car was found two days later in Dayton, Ohio. It was found 40 miles from Roy's house near a bridge that went over the Great Miyama River. A few days after that, Roy was found in the river and his death was ruled a suicide. So that does kind of sound similar in a way. The problem here is that Roy had depression and Ray did not have that kind of history, but suicide could not be ruled out. The police did search the Susquehanna River and could not find Ray anywhere. They continued to search by air and boat, but nothing. Ray Greiker was described as dedicated and competent defense attorneys that went against him would say nice things about him, saying he was fair and never overstepped boundaries. He kept to himself, though, and his girlfriend. They would take trips and go antiquing, but mostly stayed at home. Hey, I'm a homebody, too. I get it. Ray and his girlfriend were supposed to go to an inn, and he would have a drink and play Trivial Pursuit. They did not have any fights or issues between them when he went missing. So the idea is if if he went missing on his own, why would he make plans with her? You know what I mean? I guess they would do that a lot, often. Remember when I said he was tired? Well, he would work for weeks, sometimes at 70 hours. So yeah, that can take you down, I'm sure. The napping was a concern, and his girlfriend mentioned he should see a doctor. The police got a warrant to search his medical records. They found nothing about him having any physical or mental issues. He didn't tell anyone if he was depressed either. Ray's daughter talked to him the night before on the 15th and said, or no, before the 15th, and said nothing was out of the ordinary about their conversation. The FBI did a forensic analysis on his financial records. They did not find anything wrong. There was no large amounts of money taken out or transferred. Employees at a museum in Lewisburg saw Ray's red Mini Cooper across the street parked. Then later, someone saw him get back into his car, but alone and drove away. Then people saw him go to the lot where his car was eventually found, and it was there by 5 p.m. But after that, no one knows. See, it's like he disappeared out of thin air. The Bellefonte police searched for weeks. A 50-mile stretch of the Susquehanna River was searched with cadaver dogs, boats, and helicopters, but nothing was found, which is frustrating. They even looked through video footage of the area, but nothing was ever found on that. So basically nothing to go on. Multiple people would call in and claim to have seen Ray Greiker, but the police were never able to confirm these sightings. One man, a retired Detroit police officer, thinks they saw Ray Greiker at a restaurant. The man spent time as a composite sketch artist and he thinks he may he may have seen ray a bartender in wilk bar pennsylvania thought they saw ray also one night and what they said was backed up by a customer who thought the man was ray greiker he even talked to the bartender and he loved the cleveland indians he was wearing a suit and all of ray's suits were in his closet if this was ray he would have gone shopping 
and none of his records showed that. On July 30th, 2005, two fishermen found a laptop from the Susquehanna River. Was this Ray's? The river was really low at the time, and the laptop was just sitting on the shallow water close to the bridge, not far from where Ray's car was found, but the hard drive was missing. On October 26, 2005, a mother and her son were skipping stones across the Susquehanna River and found the hard drive. It was 100 yards from where the laptop was found and was sitting again in shallow water not far from the shore. The police sent it to the Division of Secret Service for analysis, despite the fact that the condition wasn't great. It's been in the water for how long? So, yeah, quite a bit. They could not find any data. The FBI even looked at it, but it was too damaged to see anything, which is a huge letdown. Center County spent money to have it analyzed by Kroll on track, a Minnesota company that had recovered information from hard drives that had been on the space shuttle Columbia when it broke apart during a re-entry in 2003. His hard drive was damaged. Um, they did have to rebuild part of it, but nothing could be recovered from that being rebuilt. Just, it's going in wrong directions everywhere. The police gave Ray's girlfriend and daughter photographs, or photographs, polygraphs, and they both passed. In 2009, the police released information that they knew ab about but had not told the public until that point. Ray's girlfriend and his colleagues at his DA's office had told the police months before Ray went missing he had an interest in buying software that would clean up his hard drive. Many county employees in, this, in his position would do this anyway, so it's not unheard of. So Ray had a county-issued laptop, but he also had a personal desktop at his house. The police learned that he's... Um, used that to conduct internet searches, like how to wreck a hard drive and water damage to a notebook computer. That is suspicious. What the hell was on that laptop that he needed to go through this? We are assuming Ray did this. I mean, what could have been on there? Some theories were that he disappeared on his own, and others say he was killed because of the information he had on his computer. Who knows? Theories always drive me crazy because you just don't know. Ray worked as a prosecutor for years, first in Ohio, then in Pennsylvania. He was responsible for putting a lot of people away in prison. Maybe someone wanted revenge against him? An informant came forward saying that Ray Greiker was killed by a member of a motorcycle gang. His body was dumped down a mine shaft. They looked at that mine shaft, but did not find anything. Ray's friends and colleagues think he was murdered and it had something to do with his hard drive. Well... Why else was it damaged? You know, I guess it's possible. Anything is possible, honestly. There is just nothing, no information to say anything, though. No proof of anything. Does anyone remember Jerry Sandusky? Ray, in 1996, decided not to charge him with child molestation when allegations were first made against him. They think that that had something to do with his disappearance. Police do not agree. And the only reason why he didn't charge him was because there wasn't any... Um, like the allegate when the allegations first came around, there was a lack of evidence, and Gray, uh, Ray Greiker went missing in 2005. So by the time more information and more allegations came against Jerry Sandusky, he was gone. So no, this probably had nothing to do with that. But that is an interesting theory. Not this one, but a theory that maybe somebody he's prosecuted before could have done something to him. I have no idea. 
The police did not rule out suicide either because his family has history of depression and he was always tired the last few weeks. But that again could be like because he's an older man and he was working 70 hours a week. He also had plans to retire at the end of the year. And so don't forget that. When someone has plans, that does not scream that they take their own life or leave on their own accord, like most people are saying, because of the hard drive. I mean, anything, I guess, is possible. His family does not agree that he would do that. And honestly, I don't know Ray, but the fact that he had plans, like I said, and a date that night with his girlfriend, I just don't agree that that's what happened to him. But I'm not an expert, so don't take what I say as fact. I'm not saying that as fact. Another theory is that he started a new life somewhere. Honestly, I think that would be very hard to do. I mean, especially nowadays. But again, he had plans. I just don't see that. I guess, again, anything is possible. The FBI used facial recognition software to see if Ray assumed a new name with a new driver's license and nothing was found. Look, Ray Graycar has been missing since 2005. That was several, there were several sightings of him in the beginning, but he has been missing now for what, 18 years that is a long time without deciding. He was declared legally dead in 2011. He was 59 years old at the time of his disappearance. Ray Greiker has green eyes and graying brown hair. He is six feet tall and 172 pounds. When last seen, he was wearing a blue fleece jacket, jeans, and white shoes. Please call the Bellefonte police for any information. Um, the phone number is 814-353-2320. And it's really upsetting that he hasn't been found. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think he left on his own? Do you think, even, even if he did leave on his own, even if he did do what the police think he did, uh, he still deserves to be found. He still gets, he still has family that's looking for him and hoping to see him again, or, you know, to have answers at least. And, it's just so crazy. And that's what I mean by literally disappearing out of thin air. It's crazy because there's no information anywhere. And I think somebody knows something. All right. So this is another one that's out of thin air and it has even less evidence than, than what Ray Greiker's case has. Uh, Nani Dotson grew up in Colorado Springs. She had two brothers, a twin brother and an older brother. All three kids lived with their mother, who was a member of the U.S. Air Force, and raised them on her own. Their father died when Nani and her twin brother were a year old. Nani eventually joined the U.S. Air Force as well, working as a nurse. She would be stationed at Lackland Air Force Base outside of San Antonio, Texas. She was a first lieutenant and assigned to the 59th Medical Wing in May 2004, where she would work as an intensive care nurse at Wilford Hall Medical Center. Nani liked country music and would hang out at country bars and dance clubs in Colorado and Texas. She ended up taking dance lessons. She met a man older than her named Edward um, Vale. They dated for a bit, and Nani got pregnant. Edward didn't want to continue the relationship, though, because of her being pregnant. He apparently wanted her to get um, to take care of the baby, not have the baby. So that relationship ended. Nani decided to keep the child and raise him as a single mom. Nani gave birth to a baby girl in 2005. She was hoping to go on a military tour of Iraq. She would start training in critical air transport. Her service was going to end in March 2007 and stopped wanting that because she wanted to be there for her daughter and move back to Colorado. In November 2006, she went to visit with some friends and family in Colorado. 
her and her daughter would stay with her older brother, um, Tony, and his family outside of Denver. She was going to hire a real estate agent to help look for some homes around there. Nani's older brother, Tony, was married with two kids. They lived in Littleton, Colorado. On the night of November 18th, 2006, she went out with some friends at a bar in town staying out until the early morning of the 19th. She woke up and used the computer, asked Tony if his wife would be okay watching her daughter. Nani wanted to go shopping with friends and spend a little more time with them and go out for dinner later. Around two that afternoon, Tony was hanging out with his kids, playing some games, and he heard Nani say she was leaving. She mentioned she wanted to go grab something to drink at a juice bar about a mile away from the house. Hours would go by and Nani would not come back. So they think, okay, she did really go out with her friends and would come home that night. They watched her daughter that night as well and put her to bed. On November 20th, Nani's daughter was crying. They go in and Nani still was not home. She eventually was reported missing. She was last seen wearing black pants, a white shirt, and a gray jacket. She had a black purse as well. Nani Dotson did not bring a car with her because they flew in, so she either walked to where she needed to be or was picked up by someone. Friends said she wouldn't walk anywhere, though, so police think she got a ride from someone. Tony said um, the night before she went missing on the 18th, she went to a place called Grizzly Rose where she went line dancing with friends. She was getting harassed at a bar and started dancing with a guy that helped her out. The next day, she got a call from this man. He wanted to take her out for breakfast. That day, she used her brother's car um, to take herself to and from the bar. She came home on the 19th at 1 in the morning. He thought maybe the men at the bar had followed her home, but the police could not identify if this was really if this really happened or who these men were. Nani was supposed to be back at work on the 21st and did not show up. They labeled her AWOL. Her return ticket was never used either. The police looked into Nani Dotson's personal and professional life. She was well-liked by her coworkers. She was known to be hardworking um, mom that liked country music. She only drank socially and didn't do any drugs. They learned about Edward and didn't want to date anyone for a while because of it, but she was on dating websites before she went missing. One of them was single parentsmeet.com. Sorry, I didn't realize my phone was on. Okay. Um, she was on that twice, actually, around 2.30 in the morning on the 19th and around 1, 1 in the afternoon that same day. Some believed maybe she arranged a date with someone. I mean, that's very possible. There is evidence of activity of a phone call Nani made on the 19th around 11 that day, and there was some activity after that, but they never said who she called. On November 20th, her cell phone pinged, pinged in an area of southwest Littleton near Ken Carley Ranch. It was within proximity of the shopping center and not far from her brother's house. The police brought out police dogs to search the area using some of her clothes and were able to get a scent throughout the area. They couldn't find where she could be or what happened to her, though. A Jefferson County Sheriff spokesman 
named Jim Shires claimed that the police found her last signal, a three to four acre field by the Jefferson Village Shopping Center. Her cell phone was on for 90 hours and then it either died or shut off. They never found her phone. They had no evidence to say he, um, she was kidnapped or she left on her own, but how could that be considering she was planning on buying a house out there and she had a young daughter to take care of? I don't think she would just leave. The police of Jefferson County reached out to the police in Texas because she did live out there. She was just visiting Colorado. She didn't live out there. She was just visiting. The police in San Antonio were going to talk to the people that knew her and that did include Edward, the father of her child. Edward was 53 years old at the time of Nani Dotson's disappearance. He lived outside of San Antonio. They met at a country dancing class and dated for a short time until she was pregnant and they had to end their relationship. In 2005, the police were called to his home after he called them to say that his ex was not wanting to leave. They were arguing, but nothing was physical. Nani came to get her things and they got into a fight. A few days later, she gave birth to her daughter. Edward would constantly say he wanted nothing to do with that child. Apparently, he even contested to be to the paternity for a while. It went with it went through the court system. He had to take a DNA test, and guess what? It's his child. He had to pay some of her medical expenses and back child support, as well as give around $900 a month after. This was decided two months before Nani Donson went missing. Juan Corker said they were working together in the intensive care unit. Nani told them that she was having a horrible custody battle over her daughter, but that she won the case and her ex wasn't taking advantage of the supervised visitation. She didn't want to apparently leave her daughter with him alone, I guess, but if it's supervised, she wouldn't be alone. So that's kind of weird. A neighbor says when we moved in, Nani met us. One of the first things she said to us was that she had issues with her ex-boyfriend and that if we saw anything to call the police, if anything ever happened to her, if she ever went missing or was hurt in any way that he did it. She, so does this Edward have an alibi? He first didn't want to talk to the police, but then agreed to see them, but didn't show up. In December of 2006, Edward would talk to them in a meeting that lasted a really short time, like just a half hour, and was apparently that was enough to prove that he had nothing to do with her disappearance. His lawyer claims Edward was by Fredericksburg on the weekend of the November 18th. He had witness statements and receipts of things he bought those days. He didn't really actually talk to Nani for a year and a half. Only communication was through his lawyer. The police looked through his phone records. Um, Edward wishes they find her and that she is okay. Nothing in Texas really helped the investigation. One of the biggest theories is that Nani Dodson decided to go missing on her own, leaving her daughter in the care of her uh, older brother and his family and running off to start a new life, free of anything to do with anything. I mean, okay, let's say she did that. Why go through all that legal work and hire a real estate agent? Make that make sense. There was no evidence of foul play, so I guess we can just think that way. Nani's case was originally a missing persons case. It was um, handed off to a Kate Batten. A year later, she was Jefferson County homicide detective at the time. It's a strange, it's strange. Okay. So Nani goes missing on her own, right? She never touched her finance records. There have been no sightings of her either. 
So I don't believe she went missing on her own. She was smart. She was in the military. And some people who run away plan it out. So did she plan this out? Her family and friends don't think there would be any reason for her to run away. She had a career that she loves and her young daughter that she wanted to raise on her own. I mean, she made a bit stink about it. So why would she just leave? And she was just training to be deployed. Why would she do all that just to go AWOL? Make it make sense. She only had a few, um, she didn't have that much longer left. A few months, really. Why would she run away in Colorado when she still had things in Texas? She only left with the clothes she wore and her purse, too. There was no activity on her cell phone and no use of her finances. No sightings, like I said. Another theory is that she met someone on a dating website and was killed. In 2006, Nani was active on a few websites, like I said before, uh, singleparentsmeet.com, where she talked with other single parents trying to find someone to date. She had a MySpace page as well, which... She did log into and updated a lot. On the morning of November 19th, Nani spent a few hours online. She logged into singleparentsmeet.com twice that day, once at around 2.30 and once at 1. She had to have met with someone, right? Whoever they are could have been the last person to see her. So who is it? Whoever it is knows something, in my opinion. A week after Nani went missing, her 16-month-old daughter got sick and was sent to the doctor. Tony and his family watched over her for weeks, but then they transferred her to custody of her grandma, which is their mother. She was living in California at the time. She was with her for about a year or so, and then in January 2008, her daughter was sent to Edward. Apparently, um, he is still her legal guardian. So this is where the case goes cold, cold. On May 21st, 2012, a woman in West Denver was woken up by someone, some man who started to grab and hit her, putting a sheet over her head. It was after three in the morning and she was attacked by someone wearing a mask inside her place of residence. He put a sheet over her head and bound her hands behind her back. He used a knife to cut clothes. She tried to get away and was slammed to the ground and had her head slammed. She was tied back up and was sexually assaulted. Then this attacker left right after through the front door is the assumption. It was unlocked. He stole her cell phone because she couldn't find it. She had to drive to someone's house to call the police. Her phone was never found. So this was, was this a burglary gone wrong for, I mean, for a phone, I guess anything is possible. Like I've said. This woman could not really identify the man. He wore a mask. She was woken up by him, so it was fuzzy, and he did not talk to her. There was no sign of forced entry, which makes sense since the front door was unlocked or knew another way inside and unlocked the door from the inside, which is possible. The dog did not bark or anything to this person, so maybe the dog knew who this was. There was a guy who was a dog sitter for this dog at at one time and knew where her spare key was. The person was the fiancé of the victim's friend, and he had seen her the night before. The police took in 39-year-old Tony Dodson, Nani Dodson's older brother. He divorced his wife in 2009. Tony was engaged to another woman who was good friends with this victim that was assaulted in 2012. Tony had made sexual comments to this woman in the past, But he had seen her just hours before she was assaulted. Also texting her after to figure out where she was, what she was doing. 
The police think Tony staged a burglary to assault her. That is beyond insane. All this is insane. He, of course, denied this, and she was crazy who made up stories and exaggerated things to downplay her own business. The, oh, not business, issues. The DNA tests from the scene, though, guess what? Match Tony Dotson. He was charged with first-degree burglary and second-degree assault, convicted in 2014 and sentenced to 96 years to life in prison, which is awesome. That's great. It was alleged that Tony solicited two members to, sorry, excuse me, murder this victim in his rape case while waiting for trial. He was trying to get connections to set this up in jail. In December 2013, the workers in the jail found out that Tony Dotson offered members of the eight trust gangster Crips, the Gallant Knights, Insane, and the white supremacist 211 crew more than... Um, So offered more $20,000 in cash. I don't know why I had an issue with that. Sorry. As well as a ring that was worth fourteen grand and a car to murder this victim who lived in Denver at the time but later moved, understandably, for her safety. Tony had a friend outside send about 7000 to his inmate account and he had used this to get other inmates in on it buying them snacks and other things did he not think he was going to get caught because that's just the stupidest thing i've ever seen heard i should say but then offered more money to kill this woman two gang members were arrested and charged with soliciting murders but tony would continue this for weeks and months tony donson was charged with criminal solicitation to commit murder and was sentenced to 48 years in prison and this was added to already the 96-year sentence. So now Tony Dotson is a person of interest in Nani Dotson's disappearance. He was the last person to see her. He was very loud about her case, arranged for a lot of flyers to be put up and talking to the press a lot. Sometimes it's the people that are involved too much that are the killers, but I don't know exactly what his motive would have been to um, to murder her, though. That's that's the That's the thing. Tony Dotson is a person of interest in Nani Dotson's case, um, and he, along with friends and family, in her disappearance. Nobody has crossed off the list that I know of so far. Um, Nani Dotson was 33 years old when she went missing. Uh, she has brown hair and brown eyes. She has a scar on her left knee, a large scar on her right shoulder, and some on her feet. There has been no sightings of her since 2006 or any activity on her accounts or her cell phone. Her family just wants her found so they can put her to rest, and I understand that completely. If anyone has any information, please call the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office at 303-277-0211. And I did check um, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, and her case is still open. So if anyone... I feel like somebody out there has to have some kind of information. I mean, this I just refuse to believe that this that she left on her own and I refuse to believe that she just disappeared out of thin hair. But that's why I chose these two cases. I have heard of them before, um but and I don't know why I didn't choose to do these cases before, but I really hope that they're solved and found and brought home to the loved ones that miss them. Uh thank you guys so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time.